0: Radio satellite. Listen to the anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. We're back. This is the anarchist will this week. Like that dog shit you can't shake off the bottom of your boot, that's us. We're here. If you want to know what the smell is, we're here. What, you know what anarchy is all about, anarchist society is a voluntary, non hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision making power. That's equal power to society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So if you want to Cut off heads, invest money in the Cayman Islands, this isn't the program for you. All right? Switch off and go off and do your thing. Anarchist World this week is for thinking, intelligent, I lie, ordinary people. Okay, now, what a week. Now, before we start that, I'd just like to make a mention of a few people who've uh, kind of died. Yep. We, that's what happens as you get older. You, get, you know, you go to more funerals and weddings and engagements parties, don't you? Well, the first person I'd just like to uh, acknowledge his death is uh, Bruno Huez, a uh, member of the uh, public interests uh, before corporate interests. Uh, Bruno was in his um, mid-fifties, and he died of uh, complications of uh, bowel cancer in the last week or so. So. Uh, all our support to uh, Bruno's uh, family and friends in Melbourne. Also, I'd just like to announce the, uh, the death of uh, Joy French. Joy French would be well known to uh, Melbourne listeners of the anarchist world this week. Uh, who who listen to this program through uh, 3CR, Community Radio 3CR, and uh, Joy uh, died in her sleep, Um, On the 25th of April Uh, Joy was a fascinating human being As most of our listeners are And uh, I used to uh, enjoy the time She'd come to the uh, radio station With her husband uh, Bill Bill and Joy French And she'd always bring a cake For the staff and volunteers At the radio station But she had a heart of gold And a spine of steel uh, Involved in many radical activities And uh, she was a fashion designer, a real estate agent in her youth and in the last 30 years or so she was involved in a lot of uh, radical activities for uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rights. Uh, she was also a foundation member of the tanaminoe and Moorbor Commemoration community, Committee and with her husband uh, Bill and Joy were a formidable team during the 1972 It's Time election where uh, Bill came within a whisker of winning the seat of Deakin, which was the crown, which was the jewel in the Liberal Party crown in Victoria in the early 1970s. And uh, it would have been a different life for them if they had been elected to Parliament and they'd uh, obviously been part of that uh, uh, reformist-minded Whitlam-led Labour government, which did so much that it's taken almost 40 years to roll back all those gains. So... Now, Joy. For people who knew Joy, uh, her funeral will be on. Uh, her funeral will be on, on Thursday. That's the fifth uh, of May at ten am at St Peter's in Brighton in Melbourne. Obviously, uh, people who knew her are more than welcome to come along. Uh, I'll be delivering the eulogy uh, tomorrow morning for Joy um, Bill, who's now in his nineties called me and asked me to deliver the eulogy and I'm honoured to do so because she was a remarkable woman whose uh, contributions uh, to making this a better place uh, for all of us uh, should always uh, be remembered. She's like many of our listeners on this program, they are uh, silent achievers, they don't boast about what they've done, uh, they uh, use their energy and uh, resources uh, to further the struggle for human equality. So joy, uh, rest in peace, and uh, our commiserations to uh, Bill, her husband, and uh, Hilton, her uh, only son. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My is Joseph Scarr, I'm hosting today's program. Now, what a damp squid. What a damp squid Now I've got a name for the budget Morrison's first budget Well it's actually not a budget It's a political manifesto And I'm going to call it coitus interruptus For all you practising Catholics out there Obviously there's a shrinking band of you Who follow the Pope's instructions You all know the importance of coitus interruptus If you don't want to have Unnecessary children. Well, this is a coitus interruptus budget. Promised a lot at the beginning, delivered nothing at the end. What an extraordinary, limp, impotent, pathetic document. What an extraordinary document. A highway for the nation for the next 12 months. I can't believe it. And I'll tell you why I can't believe it. Because, you see, Mr Turnbull has got a problem, and that problem is the neoliberal faction of the Liberal Party, which is led currently by the conservative reactionary, Mr Tony Abbott. Now, they can't even agree on policy. These people are so dysfunctional, so inane, so intellectually bereft, they can't even agree on policy; they make the gillard Rudd you know um shenanigans look like amateur land, and that's why this budget has really got nothing in it, nothing for anybody now I'm not going to call it a budget. this is a coitus interruptus election manifesto i mean that's what it is it's an election manifesto, but you'd think a man like Mr. Turnbull, irrespective of all the daggers in his back from the Tony Abbott, now Liberal and Conservative supporters in the in the Liberal Party, you know, would have actually been able to count. Now, this man made his fortune as a merchant banker. He's got accounts in the Cayman Islands. You'd think he'd be able to count. Now, we, I still have a little bit of faith in the electoral process, not in the parliamentary democracy, but the process itself, because we still have a system of government which allows... People to vote. All right, it allows people to vote. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. If you're over eighteen, you know, you're on the electoral roll. You can you can vote if you want to. Okay, we know that. Now you have got to do your maths. This is when you do an election manifesto, um, Malcolm. And I'm going to give Malcolm some unsolicited advice because the good thing I, I'm really good at on the anarchist World this week is unsolicited advice. It's my specialty. Especially, I love giving unsolicited advice to the rich and powerful. Now, Malcolm, you got to learn. You got to go back to your basics. One plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. Three plus three equals six. Now, let's say the electorate is made of a made up of a hundred people. Okay, hundred percent, hundred people. Now, in the good ship Australis, that's right, which Malcolm is steering. Under supervision and direction from the corporate sector, obviously. You couldn't let the captain steer the boat, could you? That'd be that'd be ridiculous. So which is steering away. Now you've got thirty three percent of Australians rely on social security benefits to survive. It could be old age pensions, could be disability support pensions, single parents' pensions, unemployment benefits, new start allowance, the list goes on and on. So one-third of all Australians rely on social security benefits to survive. And their income would be under $20,000 in the majority of cases, unless they get rent-assisted and make up, go up to about 24000 per year. There is not one thing in the Morrison-Turnbull budget which has anything to offer to those 33% of Australians. So any person on a social security benefit who votes for the Liberal National Party really needs urgent psychiatric help, okay? I'm not telling you to vote for the Labor Party. I'm just saying if you're going to vote for the Liberal National Party, because there's nothing in the budget for you. Nothing at all. Not a thing. Not a thing. And then people say to me, Jay, you're a liar. How about how about the internship program the internship program you like that the privatization of work for the dull that's what the intern pro, pro internship program is the privatization of work for the dull so instead of having work for the dull, you will still have work for the dull. obviously. When people work for the dull, they work for the public sector, whether it's a local council or state government, whatever. At least you're doing some work, in the majority of cases, for the public. The internship scheme is a mechanism via which to provide slave labour to the private sector, which is paid for by the public purse, the taxpayer. So it works like this. You've got this nice, fit, young slave, right? But you got no work for the slave, right? So you give the private enterprise $4 an hour on top of their dull payment, Right? to pay for their services for a 12 week period. So the employer pays nothing for the intern, not one cent. Every cent is paid by the taxpayer. So this is the government grabbing the mind, body and soul of a person who is unemployed, giving them to the private sector and providing free labour. Now, what do you think? What do you think? Hmm? What do you think the employer is going to do? Well, at the end of 12 weeks, they're going to make another application for another two or three or four of these slaves, or you could call them ticket-of-leave men or women, because we had the same concept, we had the same employment practices during the convict era. After you served your sentence, you became a ticket-of-leave man or woman. And that allowed a private employer to use your labour for nothing as long as they provide you with food and accommodation. In this situation, they don't even provide you with food or accommodation. They give you an extra $4 an hour. So you can buy a coffee every hour. Extraordinary. And this is... Considered to be some huge social innovation. If they want real internships, what you do is you say to the employer, "Here's this individual. I want you to train them. Right? Pay them the minimum wage, is about five hundred eighty-seven dollars a week. And if they don't employ them at the end of twelve weeks, you remove the subsidy. End of story. And if they employ them, say for three years." they get a $10,000 bonus. Simple. Or another thing you could do is, with an internship program, you could actually create interns in the public sector. They didn't think of that, did they? I mean, the reason I'm talking about this is because it really shows the lack of imagination of these people who've got no concept how most people live, especially the 33% of Australians who are on social security benefits. That's the first one. Now, let's look at all those wage earners out there who earn less than $80,000 per year. And there must, must be about four or five million. Let's say there's another ooh, another 30. Say we've got 33 and we add 30, that's 63 out of 100, right? Now, there really isn't much in the budget for you either. No tax relief, no no tax relief. Fair enough. Um, you got, um, although they're removing the family benefits scheme for some people. You know, that's a loss of three thousand dollars per year. But we won't worry about that. So, why would anybody going on this budget? Who's a wage earner? Who earns less than eighty thousand dollars per year bother voting for the coalition. I mean it seems as if Malcolm can't really add up. I mean if you're gonna have an election manifesto, it's not a budget. If you're gonna have an election manifesto, you at least you get your facts right. All right? Now, what do we got? Small business. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters, small business. The saviours of the nation. hmm The saviours of the nation. We change the definition of a small business to increase turnover from 2 million to 10 million, so there's more of them. And we offer them, plus other people, a 2% company tax break. All right? Uh huh. You got that? 2%. Now, look, I've spoken about this for many, 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 many years. Small businesses' main enemy in this country. And there are 5 million small businesses employing 8 million Australians, so they make up a reasonable part of the economy and the social fabric of this country, which is basically a privately, you know, private economy. The greatest enemy of small businesses is not their employees, is not the government. Their greatest enemy is the corporate sector. So you decrease tax company tax rates from, was it 29 to 28 or 27 percent? But they've still got to pay 27 percent tax. How can you expect small business to compete against corporations that legally pay no tax, that legally pay voluntary taxation? And there's nothing really in the budget to address this problem. They talk about, you know, get a few bucks back from the corporate sector, but it doesn't work that way. So small business, why would anybody in small business vote for the coalition? I know most of them will, but why should they? If they really want a level playing field, what you need is changes to the taxation system which puts everybody on a level playing field. How can a small business that's paying 27% company tax rate, that's the reduced amount, paying all the other fees and charges that are involved, compete with a large corporation that has a monopoly or a duopoly on an important field of human endeavour, say like food sales, right, grocery sales, who pay 1% to 3% tax legally? You can't. So small businesses... Salvation, excuse the religious term, small businesses' salvation comes from bringing the corporate sector to heel, ensuring the corporate sector pays 28% company tax. Doesn't use all the legal loopholes which it currently uses to pay no tax. And in some cases, like my dear beloved friend, the octogenarian, Mr. Rupert Murdoch's received an $886 million tax refund after the last federal election in 2013 when Joe Hockey, the great ambassador of the United States of America and a former federal treasurer, was asked to comment. He said, no comment. No comment. Right. So that's the budget. That is the budget. It's a pathetic document, coitus interruptus, limp, flaccid, of no interest to anybody. It's not even an election manifesto. Extraordinarily short-sighted. It'll disappear within 24 hours once the electoral uh, process begins, once the election is called. Disappear, out of sight. I mean... I wouldn't even bother talking about it unless you know. But you know, people expect me to do a budget analysis, and we've done a budget analysis. Total waste of effort, time, energy. The Coitus Interruptus budget. The Morrison Coitus Interruptus budget. I mean, great expectation at the beginning of the process, no resolution at the end. Sadness. That's the way it goes. Listen to the Anarchist Will this week. Broadcast across Australia, the community radio network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The podcast is the uh, program, not the podcast. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joshua Scan. If you want to ring me, 0439 395 489. Don't expect me to answer the phone. Leave a bloody message. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Yes, we respond to all correspondence. You can email us at anarchistage at com. Go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. Learn what Anarchy is all about. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, in West Australia, Northern Territory, South Australia, New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria and Tasmania, as well as the Australian Capital Territory. There we are. Across the nation, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Let's move on. Don't mention the war. Okay? Don't mention the war. Whatever you do, don't mention the war. We've had a 40 year war in this country, but you're not allowed to mention it. Don't even think about mentioning it. Because it's bad to mention the war. Listening to our beloved leader, the great helmsman, Mr Malcolm Turnbull, who said, you know, we don't want to turn this into class warfare. You know, people are talking about class warfare. Well, Malcolm, what do you think's been happening over the last 40 years during the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution? What do you think that's been? That's what class warfare is. When one class that's the ruling class, plus the investment class, use their power to manipulate the economy in such a way that most of the gravy on the gravy train ends up in their backyard. That's class warfare. We've been involved in class warfare in this country since the demise of the Labor government on the 11th of November 1975. We've been involved in that. Since then, but we can't mention it because it's not nice, because it somehow highlights the divisions in this country. As long as the oppressed don't understand they're oppressed, it's okay. You can continue, continue to squeeze them, but as soon as they wake up, the government and the ruling class has a problem. All right, the ruling class and its allies. This economic manifesto, masquerading as a budget for 2016, is all about helping the investment class and the one percenters, the small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Unfortunately, when you add up the investment class and the one percenters, it only makes about 20%. Say so 20% of the Australian population have done very well, reasonably well, from this lacklustre budget. You know, extraordinary. That's what I love about living in the land of Oz and in the world's most livable city is that things aren't what they seem initially. It's extraordinary. Slavery, internships... One and the the same. Okay. Now, I don't normally look at the refugee and asylum seeker question on this program. And the reason I don't is because it's debated constantly in the community. But you get to a situation... Whereafter after two young people burn themselves to death in protest that, well, one has died and the other one is in critical care, as I speak, and is expected to die, a young Sola- a Somalian woman. And it's buried. It becomes a news item for 24 hours and then it's buried. And you've got ministers getting up and saying it's all the fault of refugee advocates, it's time to say something. I mean, this is an extraordinary state of affairs. It's an extraordinary state of affairs where well, we have men, women and children, men, women and children being locked away offshore, Manus Island Nauru, on behalf of the Australian government. And when... The Papua New Guinea Court Supreme Court says it's unconstitutional to deprive people of their liberty in such a way. The Australian government washes its hands and says, well, it's not our problem. It's not our problem. It's your problem. I mean, who pays for them being there? And talking about payment, what a lurk for Wilson Security and the other security agencies involved in the CARE, you like that word, Care of asylum seekers and refugees who are slowly being driven to the most desperate acts to actually try to wake up the Australian public, they get paid $300,000 per refugee per year. Okay, can I repeat that number again? $300,000. Per refugee per year. $300,000 per refugee per year. I thought I needed to repeat it. I mean, we could set up a company and look after. I mean, if they billeted the refugees in Australia for $30,000 per year, I'm sure there'd be thousands of people who'd be willing to take on the responsibility. I mean, How ridiculous, giving $300,000 per year to a privately owned company to look after somebody. You could put them up on the Hilton in the penthouse for $300,000 per year and throw in free meals and brunch and morning and afternoon tea as well as a massage and a pedicure. But no, we prefer to put them away. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. What an extraordinary state of affairs. I mean, what type of a country do we live in? What type of people have we become? in? And it's not as if we don't welcome people in this country. There are at least 200,000 people who come in legally, in inverted commas, not that refugees or asylum seekers are illegal, as immigrants every year. Now, I've said before, what we need to do is we need to increase the refugee quota to 50% of the immigration quota. So instead of bringing two hundred, instead of bringing one hundred and eighty-four thousand, you know, uh, immigrants every year, and sixteen thousand refugees, you have a hundred thousand refugees and a hundred thousand immigrants. It's still an extra two hundred thousand people. But somehow, somehow, these people languishing on Manus Island, Nauru, are kind of subhuman. They're not real. We don't see their faces. We don't know their names. We don't know their stories. You know, they're just figments of our imagination. I'd like to put a few of those people out there who uh, think it's hunky-dory to live there and put them there for a few years and see how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Think about what we're doing. But Australia's used to doing this type of thing. Look what we did to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in this country for generations and continue to do. Think of what we did to all those survivors of childhood sexual abuse who we uh, basically refused to acknowledge for generations. Think about it. It goes on and on and on. As long as they're out of sight, out of mind, it doesn't really matter. Now, unfortunately, duty calls. This is the anarchist will this week. Now, there's a little group in Melbourne, Australia, which is called the Wednesday Action Group. Now, I know this is a national program, but sometime duty calls. Now, the Wednesday Action Group has been going since 1999, and every Wednesday they reclaim a corner of Melbourne to hand out political literature because it's important that we don't get uh, legislated out of existence. So, the Wednesday Action Group is actually meeting on Wednesday, the 4th of May at 11:30am outside the Melbourne Town Hall. What a wonderful place, at the corner of Collins and Swanson Street. They'll be there from 11.30am to 1230 That's the Wednesday Action Group. So, if you're a member of that group or you don't know where to go, now you know where to go. This is the Anarchist Will this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. It's uh, just extraordinary. It really is extraordinary the situation we find ourselves in on a daily basis in this country because we've got that rhetoric reality gap. And I love the rhetoric reality gap. And all you've got to do is to pick up, is to pick up one of the, uh, or listen, watch one of the privately owned news outlets to understand what the rhetoric reality gap and nothing highlights this more than when I accidentally and I do feel sick and usually vomit over the newspaper look at my Herald Sun or some other Murdoch paper because you know I've got a policy when these bastards start paying tax I'll start reading their garbage when these bastards start paying tax maybe I'll do an interview with them you know it's just extraordinary the Rhetoric Reality Gap. Give you an example, and I love this. This is this is this is highlights. Highlights why most Australians have no idea of what's going on in this country. No idea. When the news about the Panama Papers broke out, now these were millions of documents which highlighted how some of the rich and powerful and a few of the more unsavoury elements in society who are actually able to hide their money in offshore accounts, right? Now, Herald Sun, which is the most widely read newspaper in Australia, I understand it's read by over a million people. Well, that's what they tell me, and who am I to say that what the Herald Sun tells me is a lie? Front page news. This is the day, this is the day after the papers were released. Front page news. Was the fact that those criminal types, those criminals in the CFMEU and other trade unions like the Transport Workers and Australian Metal Workers Union, were handing out political leaflets outside AFL football games. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Extraordinary. These scumbags, these criminal unionists are congregating outside AFL games and handing out political literature. Heaven forbid. Obviously it's front page news. And on page six in a few lines, the Panama Papers are dismissed. End of story. And that's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're peddled half-truths, fake news, you know, outright lies, has facts. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Unbelievable. So no wonder people aren't aware of what's going on in this country. And that's why programs like the Anarchist World this week are so important. Because at least, we may, obviously, like everybody else, we make mistakes, but at least we attempt to highlight what the news of the day is. We do attempt to highlight what the news of the day is. Every day we attempt to highlight what the news of the day is, what the news of the week is. What's important? Remember a few weeks ago, the big issue was tax avoidance by large corporations. We had corporations like Chevron who paid multi-billion dollar companies who are involved in developing the Northwest shelf gas supplies, which is supposed to bring in billions of dollars taxation revenue into the country. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just extraordinary. Extraordinary. You know, $246 tax. Front page news? Lead item in the news item? No. Buried somewhere. And all of a sudden, Corporate Australia gets a tax cut. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Who's pulling the levers? Who's shaking the parliamentary puppets? corporate Australia end of story hallelujah brothers and sisters can't, you can't go wrong can you unbelievable but again do we have millions marching in the streets this Friday I'll give you an example this Friday if you're in Melbourne public interest before corporate interest has a little rally on the first Friday of the month and the Yeah, the sixth of May will be the first Friday of the month. Okay? And at four thirty PM they meet at Federation Square. We meet at Federation Square and then at five o'clock we move on to some corporate office in the city to highlight our concerns about the fact that corporate Australia is basically making fools of all of us. Making billions of dollars of profit while basically not returning anything to the community. They use our police forces, they use our roads, they use all these public assets, the courts, and the list goes on and on, but they don't pay. They don't pay. So do we have 100,000 people there? No. Do we have 50,000 people there? No. Do we have 5,000 people there? No. Do we have 500 people there? No. Do we have 50 people there? No. Do we have 20 people there? Maybe. And this campaign's been going on for over two years. Initially as the Resist Murdoch's Minions campaign in the last few months transferred to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest campaign. And if you think, you can sit on the internet and click away, click away, click away, click away, click away away, till you get RSI, you know, You can tell a click activist, they're always moving their forefinger up and down because it's sore, you know, RSI, click activism, RSI, postmodern disease, disease of the 21st century, disease of the, you know, the, uh, (laughs) you know, click activism. You think it's going to change anything? Of course it's not going to change anything. What changes things eventually is people in the streets. You can ignore 20 people. You can ignore 500 You can ignore 5,000, but you can't ignore 500,000. What do you think has created change? What do you think has caused governments to fall? What do you think has changed political parties' policies? Is the fact that people mobilise in the streets and irrespective of the type of technological innovations we have in terms of our ability to communicate with each other, irrespective of that, It's the fact that we mobilise, that we put the state and the corporate sector under tension that is the beginning of the struggle for change. So think about it. Think about it. So if you are in Melbourne on Friday the 6th of May, you're in the city, join us at Federation Square. We're next to the Information Centre such a small group, you can't miss us, at the corner of Swanson, sorry, at the corner of uh, St Kilda Road and Flinders Street, just across the road from the church next to the information centre. So we gather we'll wander down the road to a nice corporate office and they'll close down the office. They see 10, 15, 20 wild-eyed elderly people holding up a banner and giving out a few leaflets and the office goes in shutdown. Could you imagine what they do if they had 100,000 there? Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Well, I can hear you all say, well, Joe, I'm sick of all this negativity. What are you doing? Well, those people who listen to the program know all the things we are doing. Those of us who joined us on the May Day march know what we're doing. Those of us who are going to join us for Mabo Day on the 3rd of June at Federation Square at midnight, midday, know what we're doing. Those of us who are going to join us in Ballarat for the public forum regarding having the Eureka flag fly on the main flagpole of the Ballarat City Hall on the third of December, Eureka Day, know what we're doing. We have many activities. Those of you who are PIPSI members, public interest before corporate interest members, know what we are doing. And I'll give you an update on public interest before corporate interests. We now have over 720 members. Unfortunately, because of the early election, we will not be registered as a political party. And I'll say it again. Unfortunately, because of the early election, we will not be registered as a political party. So we had a number of options at this election. We could ignore the whole process shrug our shoulders and pretend it doesn't exist, or we could intervene in some manner. As I said before, although we have central members, we will, not be, res- we will be registered as a political party. We'll put in our, nom- our, nom- our forms in by about August, September this year, and we will be registered by early next year. So we will be able to stand candidates, at the next federal election, and hopefully by then we'll be able to stand candidates in, in some forthcoming state elections once we get some state branches uh, established. Now, faced with these facts and the recent voting changes, yes, we haven't forgotten about the recent voting changes to the Senate, and these are interesting changes because they basically will give the Liberal National Party a stranglehold on the Senate Courtesy of the Greens voting with the Liberal National Party to disenfranchise three million Australians who have, you know, about twenty percent of electorate who vote for minor parties. It's pointless. Even if a double dissolution election, unless you've got a high profile, it is pointless to stand for the Senate. And that's coming from me. And I've stood at every Senate election in this country since 1988. But. But I'm a realist, and I understand when social conditions change, when things change, we need to change our strategies. Now, currently, I'm involved in the Toscano for Dunkley campaign. You like that? Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O. The number four, not F-O-R, but four. Dunkley, D-U-N-K-L-E-Y, which is is an independent. I'll be standing. I'll be attempting, and the key word is attempt, to stand as a independent candidate. In the federal electorate of Dunkley. Now, why Dunkley? There's over 120 federal electorates in this in Australia. Well, of the 700 members, most uh, at least 25% of our members live in the Dunkley electorate, and they live in the Dunkley electorate because we have some we have some very very active branches in Frankston and Hastings. Although Hastings is part of a Flinders electorate, right? So, faced with these facts, I will be attempting to nominate on a, on a political program, which I'll outline in a minute, in the electorate of Dunkley. And the electorate of Dunkley, you know, you know, you can do the same thing. What I'm trying to say is you can do the same thing in your federal electorate irrespective of whether it's the Northern Territory or South Australia or Tasmania or West Australia, blah, 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 you can nominate as an independent candidate at the next federal election which will be held on the 2nd of July. Now, I expect that nominations will open on Monday or Tuesday next week. That's the 10th, 9th or 10th of uh, May and they'll close 10 to 20 days later. We'll find out early next week when they op- when they open and close. Now, unfortunately, and this is the unfortunate part, and that's why we're trying to register as a political party, you need 100 people in that electorate who are on the electoral roll to nominate you. That's right, 100 people to nominate you to be to be able to stand as an election as a candidate at the federal election. So if you are interested, you need to find in quick gear a hundred people in about a seven to ten day period all right, to nominate you. And they need to be on the electoral roll. So next week, yours truly Joseph Toscano, campaigner extraordinaire Will be around the electorate of Dunkley, which includes the suburbs of Seaford, Frankston South, Frankston North, Frankston, Carringle, Baxter, parts of Baxter, Mornington, Mount Eliza, you know, trying to get a hundred people. Obviously, I'll have help uh PPC members will be assisting us. So if you are interested, if you are interested, you can meet me at 11am on Tuesday the 10th of May outside the Australian Electoral Commission office at 20 Davy Street, Frankston where we will start the process of getting the 100 people to nominate us so I can stand as a candidate in the federal electorate of Dunkley at the forthcoming federal election. And what are the policies which have been endorsed by public interest before corporate interest, although I will be obviously standing as an independent candidate because we're not a registered political party, are we? Simple. The policies are very simple. And they're radical. No apologies. They're very simple. They don't require blood in the streets. They don't require mass mobilisation. They don't require revolution. They don't require guillotinings, public guillotines or putting people in the stockades. This is a very simple campaign. We're told constantly, and Mr Morrison in his coitus interruptus budget, which we've just he's just handed down, has told us. There's no money for public education. There's no money for public health. There's hardly any money for public infrastructure. There's no money for this. There's no money for that. But there are is money for the corporate sector, right? No money. 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 So you're going to have to tighten your belt, your bludgers. Right? That's basically what the election manifesto says. But why isn't there any money? Why? Why? We've got 25 million people living on a continent. Sorry, 24 million people. I've just added a million refugees in the last two seconds, Okay, We have 24 million people living on a continent in this country. And we can't even look after the most basic needs of a significant section of the population. So what's the great policy? Well, all it needs is four Acts of Parliament All right, It means that Our federal representatives Need to take into Account the needs Of the people they represent Not the needs of the political parties They represent and not the needs Of the investment class And not the needs of The ruling class, that small section Of society that owns the means of production Distribution, exchange And communication Okay, simple so what are these four great policies? Well, not original, but they will, they will raise $150 billion per year. We're not going to go out there and bludgeon smokers, people who've got chronic addictions who can't give up the stuff, and instead of the money that they're going to raise... With the tobacco tax going back into the health system and going back into programs to assist people to give up smoking. No, it'll go into consolidated revenue. No, we're not going to do that. Simple. We're going to make the 1% pay 1%. We're not going to mention the war. We're not going to mention the class war. We can't mention that. Malcolm told us it's got, you know, we can't mention the war. All right? So we're going to make the 1% pay 1%. We don't want their homes. We don't want their children. Who'd want their children anyway? We don't. We don't want their cars. We don't want their houses. We do want their Cayman Island bank accounts. That would be nice to have the combination to that, but I'd better ask Malcolm next time I see him in Parliament to have a chat to him, as the obviously is the member for Dunkley, about his Cayman Island bank account, but that's another matter. So what do we want? Four things. Simple. Simple thing. One, a 1% turnover tax on stock market transactions. So every time a share is bought and sold on the Australian stock market, 1% goes into the pocket of the Federal Treasurer. Mr Morrison better get bigger pockets because that will raise $30 billion per year. It'll have no impact on people on Social Security benefits and most wage earners. It will have an impact, a minimal impact, on the investment class. And on the ruling class, just a minimal impact, so that's a one percent tax. You can do that through legislation. Secondly, a one percent financial transaction tax on financial transactions over fifty thousand dollars, excluding the family home, that will raise over thirty sorry, over forty billion dollars per year. Simple. Again, it doesn't affect most people a 1% tax legislation that's all it takes that's all it takes legislation no blood in the streets no beheadings no guillotines no bludgeoning people to death no mass graves you know no revolt no revolution simple legislation okay now it gets better how about the GST Now, everybody in this country, excluding myself, think that everybody pays the GST. Did you know that? Everybody, well, you don't. If you're in business and if you're a corporation, you claim your goods and services tax as a legal, legitimate tax deduction. Did you know that? It's a tax deduction. So no wonder, although there's a GST, you think 10% on every transaction or most transactions that occur in this country, that would bring in a lot of money. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Because businesses claim the GST as a legal, legitimate tax deduction. So let's help small business for real. Let's not give them a 2% company tax rate. Let's really help them. Why don't we... Remove the tax deductibility of the GST for corporations and individuals who have an annual turnover of more than $2 million per year. That would raise $50 billion. Extraordinary, isn't it? Simple. Simple. I mean, pensioners pay GST and they can't claim it back. You know? Working people pay GST. They can't claim back their GST as a business expense. But a corporation claims back its GST as a business expense, the GST on the electricity bill, the GST on the energy bill, the GST on any purchases they make. Bang, 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 bang. And you think they pass that on to the consumer? No, they keep it to themselves. Simple. These are just a few of the simple policies. So I'm not going to get involved in some big debate about everything because the whole purpose of this this public interest before corporate interests. Endorsed campaign, which I'm running, Toscano for Dunkley, is to actually raise these issues. Now, I don't expect to be the member for Dunkley, but I would like some assistance. And if you can assist us obtaining nominations, and it's critical we get the 100 people next week. If we could meet at 11am outside the Australian Electoral Commission Dunkley office at 20 Davy D-A-V-E-Y, D-A-V-E-Y, Street, Frankston, 11am. And if you can't make it and you're a click activist, why don't you go to the Toscano for Dunkley Facebook page? That's right, Toscano for Dunkley Facebook page and like me. Become my friend and then my friend will become your friend. But you've got to like us so that more people around the country know. And who knows, maybe somebody else in this society, somebody else listening to this programme in Australia, will run as an independent on the same platform and change political debate and political direction in this country. Okay? Simple. You can do it. You still got two weeks once nomination close. You can't do it. but if you can help us, 20 Davie Street, Frankston, 11am Tuesday, the 10th of April. you've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can email me on... Public interest before corporate interest. You can email me at info at toscano 4 com. But I need friends. I'm friendless. Become my friend. Like, love the toscano for dunkley webpage. We will close it down in a few months after the election so you can relax. You don't have to be my friend forever. You don't have to love me long time. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on the Community Radio Next week, listen next week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast freecr.org.au minds at
1: destruction sorcerer of death
0: construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up to date analysis of local, national, and international events.
1: Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord